Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old, and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts, and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference. I'm super excited for another episode of Show About Science. This is your host, Nate, and today we are talking about the microbiome. I never knew about all the microbes living in my gut, but now I do. Join us as we peer into the hidden world of the microbiome. So when I was doing research for this episode... I wanted to know what microbes I had in me, and in order to find that out, I had to take this test. So right now I'm in the bathroom going poop for U-Biome to um, test my microbiome. Yeah, I'm pooping for science. So to do the test, you have to go poop, swab that poop, and then send it to you, Biome, to get your results. Seriously, the things I do for you guys, the things I do for this show, it's crazy. When I got my results back, I knew I was ready to talk to today's guest. Hello. Hi, Stefan. This is Nate. Hi, Nate. How are you? I'm good. So, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. First of all, thanks very much for having me. My name is Stefan Green, and I am a microbial ecologist, and I also run the DNA sequencing laboratory at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Okay, so like, what is the microbiome in the first place? That's a great question. The microbiome it's a very fancy term for a very simple idea. It's basically all the microorganisms, all the small life forms that live on you or in you, anywhere in your body. And sometimes it's also used to mean all the genetic information that those organisms have. So we both talk about the individual organisms and also the genes that they have. Okay, so like, why do we need the microbiome? Well, this is another great question. We both need it for reasons that I'll explain, but also we don't really have a choice in the matter. So wherever we are, they're microorganisms, and when they find an environment that they like, they're going to grow there unless something stops them. So our bodies aren't always able to stop the microorganisms from growing, so they find a nice place to live on us, and uh, they grow. So we always think of the microorganisms as something that grows on us, 
but you have to look at it from the other viewpoint also, that they see us as a perfect environment for them as well. But basically, we uh, depend on microorganisms for many things related to digestion. And so this is one of the critical services that they provide for us. So they take food that we eat and they convert it into something smaller. They break it down. Then those compounds can be absorbed by our gastrointestinal tract. So we actually need them to help digest our food. And they also play a very important role in helping us defend against dangerous microorganisms. So they help our body learn what are good microorganisms and what are bad microorganisms. They both play a role in digestion and also in developing our immune system. Okay, say I touch my bobblehead, for instance. Yeah. And it has a certain microbe that I don't have any of. Would it stay on me, and if so, for how long? Wow, another great question. I'm not sure I can give you an exact answer, but basically there are bacteria on most everything, and when you touch it, you pick up some of those bacteria, and then when you touch other parts of your body, you transfer those bacteria from uh, your hand, let's say, to other parts of your body. So whether that organism is even alive or active really depends, and many of them will be perfectly harmless. So you touch your bobblehead, then you touch another part of your body, doesn't really matter. Those organisms are not necessarily dangerous. In some cases, if somebody had the flu and they sneezed all over your bobblehead and then you touch the bobblehead, could be a problem. But they've actually done very interesting studies in which different sides of our face have different microorganisms growing on them. And it depends on whether you're left-handed or right-handed. So people who are right-handed tend to touch the right side of their face more frequently than if they were left-handed. So because you touch other things with your right hand, if you're right-handed, and then you tend to touch the right side of your face more than the left side of your face, the right side of your face has different bacteria than on the left side of your face. So you basically can modify the types of organisms that are on your body, but eventually most of the new organisms don't survive too long, and then the original organisms that are on your face will take over. So... Can one species of microbes evolve into another species of microbes while on you? Hmm, good question. Theoretically, it's possible. Microorganisms are constantly changing, especially since uh, we put them in a lot of surprising different types of environments. So, for example, we might take antibiotics to help deal with an infection. We take a shower which makes our skin wet, and we put soap on. So these things are putting a lot of pressure on the microorganisms. So particularly when you think about antibiotic usage, this can cause some organisms to die, and then those organisms that are able to tolerate the antibiotic or have a mutation which allows them to resist the antibiotic, then those can evolve into a slightly different organism that's successful under the new condition. So I would say the answer to your question is yes, absolutely. Evolution doesn't stop just because it's associated with us. We are also an environment for change in the genes of microorganisms. And can good microbes evolve into bad microbes? Oh, yeah. So there's a group of organisms called opportunistic pathogens. 
Okay, so a pathogen is an organism that causes a disease. And an opportunistic pathogen is an organism that takes advantage of a special condition to become a pathogen. So it might be perfectly normal organism not bothering you at all, and then you get sick, and then suddenly the organism says, hey, if I attack the host cells, this is the right time to do it, and I'll be successful under those conditions. So no organism is good or bad, but under certain conditions, some will attack you, your body, and other times they'll be an important part of the group of organisms that's maintaining healthy conditions. And so, like, how do you prevent opportunistic pathogens? Well, also a good question. One very important thing that you can do is always wash your hands and wash your hands very carefully because our hands come into contact with many, many different microorganisms. The more frequently you wash your hands, the better you keep those pathogens away from getting inside of your body. So your body has lots of defenses against preventing organisms from getting inside of you, and then once they're inside of you, it has many defenses for killing bad organisms. But the best thing you can do to help your body is to wash your hands, uh, because then you're removing the bad organisms and some good organisms, but mostly you worry about the bad organisms from your hands. And the worst thing that you can do with your hands, we all do it. We touch our face, we touch our eyes, sometimes we put our fingers in our mouths. All those things help bad organisms get inside our bodies. So washing your hands helps remove the bad organisms and then makes it much safer for us to touch what we would call entry routes into the body for these microorganisms. So let's talk a little about poop. Sure thing. Like, how do you use someone's poop to identify their microbiome? Oh, this is the best question. My laboratory, we have a joke. Basically, we get so much poop. People give us so many samples of poop that uh, it's all we talk about and all we think about. But basically, your poop is the end product of your digestive system, right? So you're, you're putting food in, goes through your stomach, it goes into your intestines, and then it leaves your body as poop. But along the way, there have been many chemical and biological changes. And what happens is that you have bacteria growing on the food itself and converting it into various compounds that your body can use. And then finally, when there's hardly much left, then we poop it out and it still has all sorts of bacteria still growing on it. So if we analyze which bacteria are in the poop, then we can have some idea of what was going on inside your body. And the nice thing with poop is that, one, we produce a lot of it, and that there are lots and lots of bacteria in it, and it's relatively easy to get. So we would say that it is a non-invasive technique, meaning we don't have to go inside your body to get it. And so because it's so convenient, we want to be able to use it to figure out what's going on inside of our bodies. But basically the steps that we take are we take a little piece of poop and we run some various physical steps where we try to break the bacterial cells into pieces. And then we want to collect just the DNA from those cells. And then using that DNA, there are a variety of different techniques that we can use to figure out which bacteria are present. And actually, in your talk on thermophiles, 
the uh, scientist who was telling you about thermophiles talked about an enzyme called TAC polymerase. And in this field also, TAC polymerase is extremely useful in making copies of certain regions of bacterial DNA that we can use to identify which bacterium it came from. So using uh, that technique, we're basically just counting. How many times did we see firmicutes? And how many times did we see bacteroidetes? And how many times did we see proteobacteria? And then we make a table and we say, okay, healthy people have these ratios that we frequently see. And when people are really sick, here's what it looks like. And we try to figure out which of those bacteria are the best to check for to see when we have a problem that needs to be addressed. And like you know, you've also had a test to look at which bacteria are present in your own poop, right? You sent a sample in to a company. There are a few different companies like Ubiome that will analyze your poop for you and tell you which bacteria are there and whether they think that that looks like a healthy group of organisms or if there's something that you uh, need to pay attention to. I'm 85% more diverse than basically everyone. Yeah, so that's actually a really good sign. You were kind enough to share your report with me. And one of the things that uh, the report says is that, like you said, you're more diverse gut microbial community than most other healthy people that have sent their samples in. And when we think about your gut microbiome, it's usually better to have a large number of different microorganisms. So high diversity is actually very, very good. When we see very low diversity, that signals some kind of problem with your gut. And so when you have a high diversity environment, it helps prevent other organisms, pathogens, from getting a foothold in your gastrointestinal tract. Thank you for being on the show. It has been a wonderful chance to speak with you. I'm so delighted. There you have it, folks. The show about science is complete. Music on today's episode was produced by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And our theme music was composed by Dan, Teresa, and Jeff Brooks. Dad, you can shut the recording off. For the newest episodes of the show about science, download the PIN app or go to pinna.fm slash promo. Hi, my name's Zach. I'm 12 years old and I host We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. Like a lot of kids my age, when I think about the future, I can't help but wonder what kind of world will be waiting for us. Will polar bears still roam the Arctic? Will we still be able to see colorful coral reefs or build snowmen in the winter? I'd like to think so. That's why I'm trying to learn as much as I can about climate change science, stories, and solutions from some of the world's leading experts and share what I learned with all of you. Together, we can decide what type of future we want for our planet. Subscribe to We the Children on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit us at wethechildrenpodcast.com. Remember, we, the children, have the power to make a difference.